All right, brother. Thank you so much for your time. Coming back from my baby shower. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, Alex. Thanks for having me on. We're going to learn about movement. That's for sure. Well, how'd you get into this? Why'd you get into this? Why did you stick to this? Let's talk about it. All right. So uh, I got into, initially got into college thinking I was going to do physics engineering. And wow. that was my uh, that was my initial path. And quickly I realized I didn't like working with computers as much as I liked working with people. So I started personal training and uh, getting into fitness. And it, it kind of just led me to switch to exercise science, eventually physical therapy, go through PT school, go through a bunch of different experiences. I had great experiences working for Nike. I had great experiences working as a strength and conditioning coach at a high school, uh, building my own personal training business, and eventually just starting teaching all the things that I was learning in videos, which kind of started taking off. And uh, now I make a lot of YouTube videos teaching people about movement. So that's that's kind of the story. I, I love it. I think the uh, the last video you did about a um, increasing muscle muscle size and tendons and the difference yeah. between with a little clipboard. Mate, I love the little diagrams. I was like, this. I don't know why, but this is really working for my brain. Yeah, we try to make, like, you know, a lot of my uh, recent posts have just been like iterations on like ideas that have essentially just gotten more and more easy to digest, I think, for people because it, it, the training concepts can be kind of confusing, especially when you get into like tendon loading protocols and uh, differences between collagen synthesis and healing timelines and how you space out training and uh, all the different parameters that you can train with elasticity and stiffness and Young's modulus and all these things can be very overwhelming. But I try to kind of simplify all that into like more easy to understand protocols for people to to grasp and start training and getting strong tendons right away. Uh, so that's kind of been what I've been working on recently. I love it, man, because let's be honest, you know, the average the average Joe wants to know why, but they don't really want to know the whole, whole in-depth. It's like, just leave the science to the side, but tell me why and tell me to a five-year-old yeah. so I can understand. And I think it's yeah. great, man. You know, it's um, making, making independent athletes, you know, they should know a little bit, you know. So if we dart off and go somewhere else, boom, they can still help themselves out. And I think it's the same with, with the general population, man, like, I think we're in a quote unquote health crisis for a reason because a lot of people are ignorant towards it. Right. It's like, if we just teach them a little bit, you know, teach a man a fish rather than give a fish, mm -hmm. I think we're going to be in a better position, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things like basic uh, principles that I think people should understand. Like one of those in regards to tendons is just how much load is actually required to improve strength. Meaning like you need to lift really fairly heavy weights if you want to make a change to like your tendon properties. So there's a lot of people out there who want to do these really lightweight exercises. And we, we kind of see that in early rehab when someone's injured, they're like doing the, you know, the two pounders, the one pounders. And I'm like, okay, it's a good starting point. Like we often have to dial all the way back to that really light load, but it's really not enough load to make meaningful progress on building a thick, strong, robust patellar tendon, right? Like we need to make sure especially for our healthy athletes who just are having like a little bit of aches and pains every now and then, like those athletes really need to be pushing hard with their isolation exercises, their isometrics, uh, things like holding a leg extension and pushing really hard and getting a lot of load through that patellar tendon. If they want to see that tendon get stronger, 
Um, and, and specifically using biomechanics and positions of movements, like pushing the knee over the toe. There's been a lot of different uh, crazes going around with knees over toes, but there's a lot of benefit to it. And if people can understand the benefits to it and understand how to progress, they're going to have, you know, really strong tendons that are going to give them the ability to do what they want to do. And we, we need it, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Cause uh, yeah, we get given all these rehab exercises, maybe with a, a little band or the, like you said, the two pound dumbbells, they're usually pink and got a little yeah. bit of dust on from the corner. It's like, okay, cool. What's, what's the development program here? Where, where, where are we going from this? Like, I don't know, man, like I'm going to use this for a little while and then I'm going to jump straight back on the barbell. I'm going to jump straight back in the sprint. And you're like, uh, mm. what? Yeah. Like there, there's gotta be a gap here, guys. You know, we have to bridge it. You know, we can't just go, yeah. Oh, I got banged up. I'm going to use a band. I'm going to do my clams, which is a, which is a real big, big one, right? Like the amount of times oh. I got, got a low back injury or I got a hip injury, I got a knee injury. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Do you see the physio? Yeah, yeah, I saw the physio. Okay, cool. But what did they, what did they tell you to do? Like, oh, this thing where I lied down, I was like, the clamshell, cool. Anything else? No, not really. And I'm like, man. And the next thing you know, oh, I'm, I'm clear to jump back in. I was like, no, 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 no. Oh, it drives me crazy, huh? It's crazy, man. Like you can't go from zero to hero. Yeah. You know, for let's just take all the science out of it and uh, just look at it logically. It's illogical. Yeah. It's not a good idea, guys. But what why'd you dive into this niche of the fitness industry so heavily? Well, that's a good question. I think I think like it really came down from for me to like, I I had these problems. Like I would have like some knee pain when I was running and then I'd like, my hip would pinch when I'm squatting and my, my shoulder just didn't feel right when I would bench press. And I had all these questions about it that I couldn't figure out. And at first it seemed so overwhelming to try to address a problem like that. It's like, what, I have no idea where this pain's coming from. Like, why does my hip always pinch on the right side whenever I squat deep? And uh, what do you do? Okay, you go Google hip pinch. And oh, it tells you to do a clamshell or a banded hip distraction exercise or something. And some sometimes those random exercises that you find on Google do work mm. and you kind of move on. But there's other problems that become a bit more complex and it's harder to find those solutions. Uh, so over time, I've just kind of tried to develop like more a more systematic approach than just throwing random exercises at it. So usually my approach is two steps. And I think anyone who's listening to this and has an injury can take this same two-step process to figuring out what's going on with their injury and what they can actually do to fix it. The first step is making a movement-related change, meaning changing the movement pattern. So if your hip pinches in the front, you can change the movement pattern by changing your toe stance, right? You could take a, a wider stance, you could take a narrower stance, you could adopt a degree of toe out, you could toe your you know, toes out 15, 20 degrees, um, and you can modify your stance. So that's modifying the movement pattern. And there's a, a bunch of different ways you can do that. You can modify the movement pattern by adding wedges, right? And whenever you add wedges under your feet, now your, your tibia essentially gets longer and your femur is relatively shorter. So that might help your trunk stay a little bit more upright. And maybe if you were just sensitive in the front of the hip temporarily, you can use wedges for four weeks, six weeks, and then gradually go lo lower wedges and then back down to full squatting with no hip pinch. And that's a movement strategy again. So there's this whole group of different movement strategies that we can use. And oftentimes those do fix the problem. 
other problems need step two. And step two would be a capacity building issue or like a capacity building strategy. And this is often the case whenever you have recurrent tendon pain. So something like your patellar tendon in the front of your knee always hurts when you're jumping or your hamstring keeps getting pulled whenever you're sprinting or um, your Achilles tendon, it just always hurts whenever you have to run up hills. You might just have bad capacity in that area, in that tendon to be able to handle loading, to handle the activity you're trying to do. Uh, so in that case, we kind of address capacity. So that might be by doing calf raises or by doing heavy leg extensions or by doing um, split squats with your knee over your toe or by doing something to target uh, that tendon that has poor capacity. And I think if we can do either step one, step two, or a combination of both, because a lot of issues need a combination of both of those things. But I think if people can kind of think from that framework and figure out what do they need, do they need to change the movement? Do they need to build capacity? They address that appropriately. They're going to solve a lot more of their issues than they can by just kind of randomly looking for exercises on Google. For sure. Next thing you know, you, you're three Google searches away from, I've got cancer. You're like, oh, Christ. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's just like back it up a little bit and what's going on. You know, you got the sniffles, you're going to be okay. Um, but I like it. I like a systematic approach to return to play, right? And trying to bridge that gap between return to play and prehab. Yeah. Because a lot of people go, ah, no, I'm fine. Wait until they get banged up and then they have to rehab things. Right. And it's like, well, if we would have done something before we get there, you know, maybe there's a slight little twinge or discomfort rather than waiting for things to pop. I think mm -hmm. a question I'll have is, do you prior prioritize a lower intensity and a higher volume in the uh, building the capacity? Would you be like 60%, 70%, 50%? That's a great question because a lot of people are, I think, are making a mistake in that exact uh, choice. And um, initially, we need a, an entry point. So if someone's very painful, um, oftentimes I'll start with something like a, an isometric that's held for 30 seconds or 45 seconds. So it would be relatively low intensity and long duration in that case. That's often a good starting point. And maybe that's even appropriate if someone's in season, they're already doing tons of jumping, tons of sport practice. They just have so much load through their knee that they can't load, like more heavy loading actually might do them a disservice. So in certain cases, I would prioritize low intensity and long duration, such as those. Someone's really low capacity and needs a starting point or they're in season, there's already a lot of demands on them. But for our athletes who are in a more of a chronic state of, tendinopathy or tendon degeneration or pain that's more um it's just kind of achy all the time in that case often they just haven't progressed to high enough loads because the thing is the low intensity and the long duration stuff it's a starting point it can kind of hold your pain off temporarily it has what we call like a bit of an analgesic effect or a, a temporary pain reducing effect but to really get lasting change we need to eventually progress to enough mean, meaningful enough loads around for, especially for healthy athletes or young athletes around 80 to 85 or even 90% of maximum. And it's important that we direct these loads specifically to the target tissue. So we want to load the tissue with the issue uh, that came from a mentor of mine, Chris Johnson, who's a really smart guy, load the tissue with the issue. And then 
we do that by specifically targeting. So if it's a knee tendon, we have to do exercises that specifically put load through that knee tendon and maybe even something like a, uh, uh, like a leg press. It seems like it's putting a lot of load through there, but like we probably want something even more isolated, like that leg extension isometric, a Spanish squat, a split squat, something where we can really put it directly through that tendon. Cause even if we go 90% or hundred percent on our leg press really heavy, that load is spread out through the glutes and through the hamstrings and through the knee. It's not directed at the tendon that we want. So it's important that we direct, especially for our athletes who need to get this high level exposure and high level tendon remodeling. We direct that load directly to the area we want and at a meaningful enough load that it's going to make a positive change. Wow. Would you measure that subjectively? Well, there's, um, <laughs> there's like fairly complex uh clinical measurements for this which we, i don't want to go into um but it, it basically all boils down to strain and strain is like the amount of uh the amount of stress that you're putting through the tendon and if anyone cares from a clinical measurement that's like three four five percent strain but that meaning that doesn't really mean anything to us as like a trainer or it's like someone just like lifting weights because it's really hard to measure that without more sophisticated clinical tools. Yeah. So practically, that typically relates to around 85 to 90 percent of your maximum load. So that means like um, if you're doing a calf raise that you probably want a load that you can only do about six reps with. So if you're picking up uh I don't know, a 50 pound dumbbell and doing a single leg calf raise, but you could do 15 reps. That's probably only closer to like 60, 70% of max. You probably want to get a 60 or a 70 in your hand to the point where you could only do six or so full repetitions to get enough load through that tendon. Because a lot of people just do those high reps and they do them over and over again. And we don't really get to the, the strain through the tendon that is required to really get that, that significant remodeling response and, and get a lasting change. I find it fascinating, man, because I've been rubbing shoulders with a lot of um, strength training athletes for a while now. And and a lot of the time it's trying to get them to reduce the load a little bit and do more work yeah. capacity stuff. And guys, you have to do something above three reps, you know, like we need to do more yeah. work. Um, but I think on the other end of the spectrum, you know, I've neglected it a little bit in the sense of a lot of people, are quite comfortable squatting, for example, you know, post-injury or pre-injury, we can squat and we'll do 15 comfortably, rack it and look at you be like, yeah, that was tough. And you're like, no, it wasn't. Like, you're not cross-eyed, you're not sweating, and you certainly ain't shitting like, uh, shaking like a shitting dog, right? It's like, that weren't difficult, mate. Let's get some more weight on. And yeah. a lot of the time, people are scared to lift heavy weight. Like, mm, yeah. I'm going to break. It's like, well, no, you're going to be all right. I'm not putting 500 kilos on the bar and be like, figure it out. It's mm. slow increments, right? And I think uh, it bridges into the psychology side as well as we need we need to get the required stimulus physiologically. But then we've got to then yeah. end up talking to these young athletes, old athletes, ourselves, and try and get them under these loads. How do you do that, man? Well, that, that can be a real challenge, especially for the groups that are most at need of the heavy loading. So the one that comes to mind uh, in my in my experience is like young runners, especially young female runners 
who are potentially going to be at high risk of stress fractures and, bo- and other bone stress injuries, especially as their training volume goes up. So we're talking about like middle schoolers and high schoolers, you know, age 10, 12, 14, 16 years old in this, this important time period where their bones are getting stronger. Um, running is great, but it's not quite the same stimulus for bone mineral density as lifting a heavy weight. So if we can get um, that heavy weight stimulus to them, it's really important, especially at that critical stage, because at 14, they might be running 20 miles a week or 25 miles a week, but they are going to probably progress to high school, college and marathon training. And who else, who knows what else they want to do 10 years down the road. And they might be running 60 miles a week, 70 miles a week. So we really want to build that bone structure up. And it's difficult to communicate this sometimes because of some of the stereotypes surrounding um, weightlifting and potentially having a negative effect on performance if athletes get bulky or they build too much muscle mass, which typically isn't a huge concern. Um, In reality, like especially when we're loading very heavy, that's more of a neuromuscular stimulus anyway. Um, So that, that conversation, I'm not an expert at it by any means, but I've had it a few times. And typically, um, it comes, it comes down to like building out a progression that they're comfortable with an entry point that they're comfortable with. Um, so if you have to start at body weight calf races, that's fine. Like, you know, that we want their Achilles to get to the point where they can handle, um, five sets of five or something like that, really heavy, slow controlled reps, but we might need to start at four sets of 15 or four sets of 20 where they're comfortable and then just progress over time. And maybe we work in plyometrics to this also, because that's a unique stimulus there where we're getting a lot of compressive loading, um, just from the calf muscular contractions. Um, and that's actually a really important thing for just preparing and avoiding shin splints. A lot of people think shin splints is a, you know, a a muscle issue with the anterior tibialis, but it actually is more of a bone compressive issue. Um, we can get in that if you want to, but there's a lot of great benefits to getting into this loading. It's just having that conversation and making a plan, uh, a progressive plan. So that way we can get people to it. Oh, I could talk shop all day, honestly. Like I find it fascinating. And, um, you know, um, I was reminded back to a time where I was, uh, doing the weight based room stuff for a swim club. Right. And we had everything from seven to 19. So it was a big, big disparity in age group right well a lot of the time it was trying to break the mindset of the parents for one that's they're usually the pain in the ass but also the coaches on the pill side you know it's like all right they need to do some um some land training i was like okay no problem like we can do some land training i'm kind of the weight room guy all right man yeah yeah just get them doing shuttle sprints and like burpees and stuff and i was like why 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 yeah oh well because they need to get fit i was like mate they're doing 16 sessions in a week you know each Uh session is at least 90 minutes long two hours two and a half hours long like these kids don't need any more aerobic nor anaerobic they just need a lift they need to be able to squat press you know pull move around we actually need to them to be a little bit more robust we need yeah that comes down to like if we think back to like the movement pattern and capacity strategies like they're probably lacking capacity and, and bone density and, and tendon capacity, especially. Um, and that, that actually becomes a huge issue, especially whenever swimmers who grew up swimmers their whole life, then 
retire from swimming and take on running yep. because they spent all their, their critical bone mineral density building years in the pool with absolutely no ground reaction forces or uh, compressive stimuli to like the bone. And then they jump out of the pool and then start running at 1920, whenever they're kind of past the peak of building bone mineral density. So it's like, if we could just have paired some heavy strength work with the pool, um, that would have been really beneficial for them. And then the other thing with the aerobic stimulus is there's a lot of specificity to that. So, so doing a lot of uh, burpees or a lot of bike sprints or runs really doesn't help you swim that much because people don't realize just how specific cardiovascular adaptations are. Uh, it's just, it would be like having your uh, Tour de France cyclists go out on a, a five mile run. Like it's, it's, it actually has almost no carryover to cycling performance, similar to how running has very little carryover to swim performance. Yeah. I mean, that's the problem with VO2 max testing, right? Like it's specific yeah. to the, to the chip, to the uh, tasks that you're completing. Like it, it's fantastic. It's great. It's, it, it's awesome. You know, but it's like, if I'm going to go run, you know, I, it's, that's awesome. But if I'm in the pill and I'm doing a VO2 max test on a uh, treadmill, what, yeah, where's the relatability? Yeah. yeah, completely different. Yeah. It's completely different. Yeah, I love it. Like we got to. I think it's. I think it's important that we um, identify that heavy is relative, right? When we say they should yeah. be doing heavy lifting, it's not putting a kid or an eleven-year-old underneath a barbell with a hundred kilos on. No, no, no. It's getting the required stimulus for that individual. That young male, young female, old male, old female, doesn't matter who you are. It, it is a relative intensity, right? But we want it to be close to the top of the pyramid rather than, oh, I can do this all day, coach. I can talk to you all day. I can move and talk and I'm twisting my head around. And they're like, no, 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 I want you to concentrate. Okay, we're going to hit anything up to five reps. We're going to get this done. You're going to rack it and then we're going to sit down. Yeah. I think it's uh I think people take the word heavy and run to the uh, heavens with it. They're like, oh my God, we're gonna be like breaking all these kids. It's like, yes, if you if we don't implement it correctly, you know, if we go 20 kilos one week and then 45 the next, I'm talking with slowly increment linear progression, mate. Like I think it's also underutilized for kids. In terms of we're, we're new, we're amateurs. Yeah, all we got to do is add one one point two five kilos, add yeah. five pounds. It's nothing. We don't have to jump up twenty k's. We don't have to like try and PR every week. You know, you shouldn't be going for a one rep max, in my opinion, anyway. Under two years of of weight training, like, why? Build it, mate. Don't don't test it. Build it. Yeah, no, I mean, heavy is relative to each individual, and like that's that's the thing like you really the ideal stimulus and people always ask me this like what's what's the what's the best number of plyometrics to do per week or the best running volume per week it's like probably five percent more than you did last week yeah. <laughs> like i don't know what you did last week it's, you know you can you can set a target for where you want to get to but for you this week and next week we're within five percent of where you've been that's that's our best stimulus for you and then it's also managing fatigue as well, right? Especially when yeah. you've got multidisciplinary sports and you've got someone who's a swimmer, but they like to play netball on the weekend. Or you've got like, oh, I play rugby, football, lacrosse. And you're like, whoa, holy shit. Okay, cool. Like you're training three times a day. 
for five days a week and then playing games on the weekend and you're coming in and saying yeah how many times do i need to weight train you're like okay um let's figure this out you know like it's it's managing that that stress and i think that's why our job is kind of hard to define you know it's like yes we can sit down and theoretically create this beautifully written program but then it just might not work on the floor and you're like oh fuck okay i've got to like rip that up and today we've got to do real light real slow maybe it's uh, the other way you know it's like oh we had a lower intensity but you are moving and firing i was like ah, maybe we utilize this it's this yeah. weird hairy fairy topsy-turvy it's always changing and you got to deal with people right we're not logical we're emotional beings we have to be able to adapt on the fly absolutely yeah what's your purpose man so i my my whole goal is to liberate all the information about human movement to to the people to the masses so anything i learn i just want to teach to others and because I want this information to be accessible. It makes, it makes it so much easier to make health related decisions for yourself whenever you are educated about how the body works. Um, and it makes it so much easier not to fall for scammy things in the fitness industry whenever you know what's going on. Uh, so my goal through YouTube and Instagram and podcasts and my Facebook group and all the places is just to just, tell people all the things that I know and, and have them steal it all and share it all themselves. Um, and I don't even want credit. Just tell everybody all the important things. So that way they don't, uh, so that way they have it and they can solve their problems. Well, yeah, we definitely take things for granted, you know, always being in the fitness space, you know, there's mm -hmm. some things that we, we just, we take it as a non-negotiable, right? Yeah. You should probably sleep eight hours. Yeah. You should probably eat some pretty good food right like i had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and they're like oh alex uh, basically trying to lose weight paraphrasing mm -hmm. oh, okay cool, cool. Yeah. yeah yeah i've lost and then i've plateaued all right cool like talk me through it oh well you know i basically have soup and a bit of chicken at 1 p.m and then i don't eat until the next day and i was like what hmm. they're like yeah that's that's kind of all i eat and i've plateaued i was like mate you're not eating at all I was like, yeah, but what about the weekends? He was like, oh, that's a different story. I was like, yeah, no shit, because you're not eating. And he goes, oh, I got a bit off the rocker. And I was like, yeah, how about we fuel ourselves? You know, just three macronutrients, eat your micronutrients, I eat, eat the bloody vegetables. Yeah. yeah, let's go three meals a day like a normal person and then see what that's like. Comes back in two weeks later. Oh, when you eat three meals a day, you feel so much better, right? And I'm like, yeah. Like, what, where, where did this come from? You know, we don't put fuel in the car. I was like, why is it not working? Yeah, simple yeah. stuff. Go to the petrol station. Yeah, and I think we've uh, we've taken that for granted, you know, and it's the more conversations we have in its simplistic form, you know, I think sports scientists are unbelievable. You know, they create all these studies. They've done all the fucking unbelievable we need all that and then we also need the people in the middle that can filter that down to people like myself who's a little bit yeah. you know not had too many knocks to the head too blonde and just like to figure it out on the fly and you're like all right matt what's going on you're like right this is what we need to know this is what you don't need to know i was like cool and then i can relay it to the people right 
And we need yeah. that system to filter down. And then we can filter back up because a lot of the time, if we're just in the lab, you know, we yeah. take it out of context and you're like, yeah, guys, it doesn't work with people because mm. they're weird. And we're, you know, these weird creatures that just won't respond to that. And you're like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Let's go back to the drawing board, try something else. Let's get the psychologists involved. And I think it's cool. I think we need to go up and down the chain. Yeah, I think like people should be happy with wherever they're at in that because there's, you know, people who are just kind of, uh, I think, envious of people all, all at different positions, like the yeah. the person who's just getting into this and they just have a little bit of experience as a personal trainer. And they're like, man, I wish I was like the expert and I knew everything. Um, but you, as someone who just got into this personal training thing, have a unique perspective and that you can relate very well to the mindset of people who are similar to you just getting into this. Um, and there's a lot that I could learn from someone who's has six weeks of experience in personal training. Right. And then we need the experts who've kind of gone too far to be able to communicate back to uh, the other people because they need to talk amongst themselves and really figure out the complicated stuff. And we need people all the way in between to filter down. Yeah. I love it, man. I think of the fitness industry as one huge business and it's yeah. like, we need everybody. We need everybody for this thing to work. You know, because yeah. the people are out there and we're just in the same building of like, right, how do we do this? It's like, well, we're going to look up to C-suite and the CEOs and all the crazy stuff. Yep, cool. And then we're going to look down to the janitors and be like, what orientation do we need the hand towels? It's like, yeah. oh, well, this way. It's like, cool. What, is it, what does it look like with the people? You know, and yeah, I think that's beautiful of accepting and being okay with your part in that. Right. I always think back yeah. to gyms aren't in competition, they're in collaboration. You know, if we write down the number of gyms, every single gym in the world, and then we write down next to it the number it would be at capacity, 200, maybe a thousand, whatever. We add all those numbers up together, guarantee you it's not 8 billion. So we still got work to do. We're not yeah. in competition of each other. Like we're all out to help someone. And if, you know, I'm the wrong person, I will gladly, hey, there's a gym down the street. Let, let's go there. I'll show you. Like, I'll lock up. Let's go show you now. Like, no problem. Like, as long as somebody's getting helped, it's all sweet, bro. All right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel you. I got three questions. Go for it. What's the greatest piece of life advice you've ever received? Oh, man. I don't know. One that comes to mind just because it's fairly recent. I don't know if this is the greatest piece of life advice, but one that's been helpful, a helpful piece of life advice that I found is learn things just in time rather than just in case because i think so many people get uh worried about learning everything just in case they need it, it but really i mean it's it's a lot of times more efficient if you can just kind of figure things out just in time for when you need it um because if you're just hoarding all this information and trying to learn everything at once it gets overwhelming for people just take things one step at a time you know and then life feels a little bit better that way sometimes <laughs> I like that a lot, man. I've never heard that before. You know, yeah. it goes to like Richard Branson. He said, um, you know, if you get an opportunity, say yes and figure out how to do it later. Yeah. Yeah. Start it right where you're at today. Like, yeah. and I think a lot of people would be less anxious and overwhelmed with all this stuff if they kind of took that approach of like, I don't need to learn just in case. I just need to learn just in time, just in time for what I got going on this week. And we, and we see it with, 
with members and athletes coming in, right? It was like, I want to learn more about this training thing. I was like, oh, what about this? And then they spew off some old school USSR weightlifting program. You're like, what the fuck? You can't even yeah. bench press. What are you talking about? Don't yeah. talk to me about that type of stuff. Let's let's learn the basics first, you know, and then we can slowly yeah. start peeling back those layers of the onion. But uh, yeah, it's I like that a lot, man. I'm going to be thinking about that. What's the worst piece of life advice you've ever received? Oh, you know what? One um, that comes to mind is uh, someone told me pretty early on, whenever I was just starting to share uh, information, I, I'd probably posted something that was wrong. <laughs> and I, I probably have done that a bunch of times. But they were like, you really should wait until you till you're more of an expert to start posting stuff. And I'm like, I think a lot of people get that advice early on. And they're like, what? Oh, I should just wait. And then they, they wait and they wait and they wait. And by the time they are an expert, they can't even relate back to what they were trying to solve or relate back to people really. So I think the advice of like, wait until you're an expert, which is either occasionally told to people. And a lot of times just sits in the back of people's head uh, is like, I think that's pretty bad advice because you only build expertise from sharing and from getting feedback. So every time that I've posted something that's wrong i've been it's been an opportunity to learn and clarify my understanding um and as long as you're doing it in good faith and you're 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 doing and sharing the best information you have at the time i think you're good like just just put it out there and and um you know see what the world gives you back that's it man how are you supposed to learn yeah you know yourself. come on just let's just try you know so not everything's yeah. gonna work you know what's the age old saying just throw enough shit against the wall, eventually something's going to stick. Yeah, There is a PG version of spaghetti, but come on. We don't use that. <laughs> last, uh, last question. What are the three words you would tell your younger self? Three words? Um, um, just stay patient, you know? Just stay patient. Because wow. I think so many times I've tried to rush ahead to like, oh, I need to be here. I need to be there. And and so many times whenever you take three, you try to take too many steps forward, you end up taking a step back. Um, so if you just stay patient, you you kind of get where you need to be when you're ready to be there. Brother, I value what you do a hell of a lot because I think people who spend a hell of a lot of time thinking and then trying to relay it onto the masses or at, at least to one more one more person. Mm -hmm. they are able to make it personable and they're able to break it down in a manner that many people can understand, not just one type of personality, right? Of just like, no, do or die or go hard or go home. It's like, no, there's, there's other ways. And um, I think it's, uh, I think it's beautiful to see someone who's spent a lot of time thinking around one particular subject and is able to relay it articulately. So thank you, bro. Thanks. Thanks for appreciate having me on. Let me share some information with people. Hopefully they liked it. <laughs> I appreciate your time, man, so much. And, uh, mate, if I'm ever knocking around NC, I'll let you know. Come through. All right. My man. All right. You have a great day and we'll speak soon. All right. Cool. Take care. Thanks, bro. Bye, everybody.